Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Victoria Bogner. Victoria, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Victoria is a CFP, a CFA, an AIF. She is the CEO, partner, and chief investment officer for McDaniel Knudsen. I'm excited to have you on. Victoria, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. All right. Well, a little bit about me personally. I grew up in McPherson, Kansas, which is this tiny little town right in the middle of the state, home of Dorothy and Toto and the Wizard of Oz. (laughs) Uh, And I actually grew up in a trailer park. So I certainly did not grow up with an incredibly easy life. But my mom did a great job taking care of us. And I was the first person in my family to go to college. So go Wildcats. I went to K-State. Uh, And I studied math with minors in computer science and Japanese because my dream was to work for the NSA as a cryptologist. But then I met a guy in a band and uh, we ended up getting (laughs) married and working for the government and having a family don't really go together. So uh, I had to figure out what to do with a math degree. And long story short, my husband and I were building a house in Gardner, which is where we live, and our apartment where we were living at at the time uh, was kicking us out because our lease was up and our home was three weeks late getting completed. So Wayne and Judy McDaniel, who are the founders of the firm I work with, uh, we went to their church. They heard about our plight and they had no idea who we were, but they said, why don't you move in with us for three weeks? So we moved into their basement. Basement, and they got to know me a little better and they said, you should come temp for us. We need some help with our database. So I temped for McDaniel Knutson back in 2005. And uh, after getting to know me even more, they said, you should really stay here and you should be a financial planner. And I said, all right. <laughs> so if my house would have been built on time, I wouldn't be here. Got it. And Who's to say what you would have been doing? But that is that is a fascinating. That's right. I probably would have been in a green cubicle somewhere crunching numbers. Who knows? Right, right. From a trailer park in Kansas to K-State <laughs> computer science and Japanese to financial advisory. Did, did did you have an interest in 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 markets or obviously you 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 like numbers, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to financial planning. Yeah, that's true. I had zero knowledge or interest in finance. It really blindsided me, to be completely honest. But once I got into the profession, it was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. There's probabilities and statistics and I can let my math brain go wild. So uh, I really poured myself into it and went from temp worker to CEO. So there you go. You too can temp for a company and take it over one day. Right. It's almost as though a hurricane hit the trailer park and swept you away into a mystical magical <laughs> world sorry i clicked my slippers three so, times and <laughs> oh sorry sorry everybody all right so i i i know that that in your practice you you work with a very wide array of clients from university presidents to to celebrities and um certainly you have your own unique perspective on how you grew up and, and your experiences i'm i'm curious if there are through lines or just different things that you find keep a lot of people up at night. 
Yeah. You know, these days, especially since we're having this conversation at a particularly volatile time in the stock market, uh, definitely people reading the headlines. If you watch Fox News or CNBC, they always latch on to these times in the market that are volatile and they make it sound like the world is coming to an end. And they always find the picture of that trader on the on the floor uh, <laughs> that is looking like he's close to tears with his hand over his mouth. And it's like, look, even the people who know what they're doing are freaking out. Uh, so we try to keep our clients calm, keep you know a rational perspective. The world is not coming to an end. We've seen this movie before. The market's not down double digits. It's going to be okay. That's why you have a plan. So definitely wild market swings can can keep people up at night, but we hope that we're a little bit of a, a balm to calm those fears. Well, that's, that's really just it, right? It's nobody wants to, to feel like they're about to suffer some horrible loss in, in, mm-hmm. in the market and, and fear is such a powerful thing and that then drives emotions and... You know, I was curious or just curious as to what your thoughts are on working with your clients overall financial picture, obviously, obviously crunching numbers, but also just managing those emotions, right? Yeah, it's interesting that as a financial advisor, you also are a psychologist and a counselor and uh, you're the shoulder that people can cry on and you're the punching bag when they need to let out some aggression (laughs) and we play a lot of roles for sure. So kind of going back to that, it's always tough to, to paint with a broad brush, but what, what do you find is, is, is there a particular area or areas that if people were to make an improvement would give them the greatest benefit? Yes, actually. And it's going to sound silly, but the number one culprit to people's budgets and their success, and I see this over and over, is eating out. You would be shocked at how many hundreds of dollars people spend just by eating out. So if you could wrap your head around saving that $400 a month instead of spending it at Olive Garden, that would make a huge difference on your budget and your retirement plan. That's the leaky hole is eating out. Hmm. Yeah, right. It's uh, People probably don't think about it as, as they're sitting down and having each individual mm-hmm. dinner. But if you do project it out and say, hey, look, you're spending $100, $300, $500 a month, which equates to a huge number at the end of the year, how do you get people to, to sort of recognize that it's just a matter of making them aware? Yes. Yeah, so I have people track their budgets for at least a couple of months. And I have uh, a worksheet that they can use to do that. We have software if people are really lazy <laughs> that does it all for them if they just charge everything to a credit card. And once people open their eyes to how many hundreds of dollars they're spending and they can equate that to a service or something else that maybe they're not, you know, like let's let's say your cell phone bill was $500 a month. You'd think that was outrageous, but yet you're spending that much on eating it, you know, at the bar and grill down the street. Right. Then it, it helps to change some, some behaviors. So that's sort of my next question is, is what do you find is, uh, so people – once they recognize oftentimes, geez, I, I didn't really realize the scope of, of this behavior that I was doing, that, that I was overspending in this area, whatever it might be. Is there an area that, that people have a real hard time changing behaviors on? 
Yeah. And a lot of times it's people when they get in their head that they need something when really it's not a need, it's just a really strong want. So for instance, a lot of times when I, when people are living paycheck to paycheck and yet they have, uh, you know, the, the Comcast and the super high speed internet and the best cell phone package, and they always have the latest tech and they have very defensible reasons for why they absolutely need every single one of those things or their life would come to a a screeching halt. What people need to realize is you need food, you need shelter. And yes, you need to have fun. Uh, Not saying that you just sit in front of your TV and eat lean cuisine every night, but (laughs) you know, you can save hundreds of, of dollars each month if you can just let go of a couple of those things that you don't necessarily need and are probably even destructive in your life and you're not even realizing it. It really is, and it can be death by death by $100 here or $50 there. It doesn't need to be right. these massive amounts of numbers because they definitely add up. Um, that's not always easy an easy conversation, talking about a need versus a want. And I don't think anybody, at least I'm not, I don't think you are advocating that people take a vow of poverty, but it is a matter of making some decisions to not buy everything that you want and then write it off as a need. Exactly. And when people, you know, it's like years go by and they look back and they they think to themselves, I have no emergency savings. I have no idea what I did with my money. I'm sitting in the exact same position that I was five years ago and I feel like I'm in a rut. Then you you have to make those hard choices and you have to look at your life honestly and be able to open up you know, every, all of your behaviors and habits and decide that you want to make a change or five years from now, you're going to be in the exact same place. And maybe this is it, but I, I know that, that, that we, that, that people are not super comfortable about talking about money issues and maybe it's because of shame or who, who knows, but do you find that people avoid having conversations on certain topics or t- talking about certain things? Yeah. And I'm sure it's different for every advisor because they have a different style. But for me, getting people to talk about death, no problem. (laughs) Talking about (laughs) death is a piece of cake. Uh, But opening up your budget, that's like undressing in front of somebody, right? Because it's like, here are all of my dirty habits just on display for you to judge. So it is a fine line there. You know, I'm not trying to be super critical, but I am trying to be really honest to help people realize if you want to change your life, that means you have to change. And let's look at the things that are going to be honestly the easiest and most beneficial to change. It's going to make your life better, not be some horrible, terrible loss in your life. Right. And it is right. It's, it's all going to be okay, but you you will either pay a little bit now or you will pay a lot more later. It's just a matter of hopefully figuring out how to how to reconcile those kinds of things. So exactly. do you find that, I think that, that we all know that adults make decisions when they're ready to do it, and oftentimes it's, it's incremental changes that are going to help people get started, but how do you counsel people to get started? Is it just rip the Band-Aid off and, and seek an advisor out? Is it do some research online? What's, what, what do you think the best way is? 
I think each person is different, but in my opinion, and of course I'm a little biased, but I think it helps to have a financial advisor, somebody who has done this hundreds of times with other people, just to, to have somebody to come alongside and say, in my experience, this is what is going to be the most beneficial for you to do, the easiest changes, uh, the incremental changes that you can make, and then have somebody that can hold you accountable and walk alongside you as you're making those changes. Because as much uh, of a good intention that we have as human beings, and I'm also guilty of this, if nobody's keeping me accountable or asking me, hey, how you doing with that you know, exercise regimen you started, I'm probably not going to follow through on it right. as much as I would have if somebody was was looking over my shoulder once in a while. And I, I know that uh, just to kind of change gears a little bit away from behaviors, you're the, the chief investment officer for the firm. If you would, I'd just be curious to learn a little bit about your investment philosophy and the things that you focus on. Yeah. So our investment philosophy is that you can't time the market. <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest misnomers. So with each person, you're going to have a different plan. You're going to have a different risk tolerance. As long as you're allocated to your proper risk tolerance for your plan, then long term, you're going to be just fine. And try not to focus on those short term blips in the market, because that is just going to drive you nuts. So our philosophy is to have uh, solid allocations that are wrapped around exactly what each client is trying to, to do. And then don't benchmark to the S&P 500 or something like that. Benchmark to your particular plan and your goals. With what we're doing, are you going to be able to accomplish everything you said you wanted to accomplish? Yes or no? And then go from there. But I think that people have this unrealistic expectation that I want all the gains in the market and I want none of the risk. And unfortunately, that's just not how it works. Hindsight's 2020, but moving forward, we just sim we simply cannot predict what the stock market's going to do. And if you try to time it, you end up cutting off your nose just by your face. That that is often the truth. I think that people don't necessarily understand that. And interesting that to your point 100% that that people want the returns that they see in the broader S&P but they don't necessarily want the volatility or the risk of it that's got to be a tough conversation though getting people to sort of shift their paradigm away from just i want the returns of the market and then getting them to focus on let's put a plan together and benchmark based on what it is that you as an individual are trying to accomplish Yes. And I think that people don't realize that they have that expectation. It's a very, it, it's, they, they vocalize it with their words when they say, okay, well, I want to make an average of 10% every year, uh, but I never want to be down more than five right. <laughs> or something like that. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit because if that's your expectation, I'm telling you right now, I will not be able to meet that expectation. And it's great to get that out of the way right up front because I don't want any of my clients to think that I, you know, I am some mystical sage <laughs> that knows what the market's going to do. What I want to do is make sure that if we're going through market volatility, let's go look at your plan. Let's run those Monte Carlos again. Let's see if you still have a high probability of success. 
If you do, fantastic. If you don't for some reason, then let's make the changes that we can control, like your spending and your saving, and not worry about the things we can't control, like the stock market. I like it. Well, Victoria, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? My difference-making tip is that if you can focus on making a change in your life for just five to ten minutes a day, and don't think about it in uh, in the view of, oh my gosh, I have to do this for five minutes every day for the rest of my life, think about it like, if I do this for five minutes every day, it's like every year I have 365 of me working toward the same goal every day. And five minutes a day over 365 days is 30 hours. So what is something that you've really wanted to accomplish in your life? Maybe it's learning a new language or learning how to to ride a horse. I don't know, whatever it might be. If you can just focus on spending a little bit of time on a regular basis to, to make and imp- make yourself better, improve yourself, give your gifts to the world around you, uh, you would be amazed at how just a little bit of time every day can really add up over a year, five years, 10 years, the rest of your life. So today is the day to start making a difference in your life and accomplishing exactly what you want to accomplish. I love it. That is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? You can go to www.mcdanielknutson, that's M-C-D-A-N-I-E-L-K-N-U-T-S-O-N.com. You can look us up on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Victoria your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to mcdanielknutson.com. Find them on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you again, Victoria. Thank you so much. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Victoria Bogner is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, Subadvisory services offered through McDaniel Knutson Financial Partners. Satera is under separate ownership from any ad entity. Branch address 2500 West 31st Street, STE, Lawrence, Kansas 66047. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!